0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast, the podcast where we talk about, chat about all things Porsche. Today is Tuesday, and you know what Tuesday means. Tuesday means owner's stories, and this is owner's stories number, here we go again, number 29. And today I have Luke coming in very shortly, and Luke's coming in from Brisbane in Australia uh, from my home, not my hometown, but my home country. Uh, I'll be going back there very, very soon. Uh, so Luke's coming in uh, on Zoom. I'm going to connect with him uh, on Zoom in about five minutes, and we'll start talking about his owner's story. Uh, I just want to mention, actually, if you want to be on the owner's stories, uh, I am still recording uh, owners. I'm still, I'm still taking requests, so to speak. Is that what you say? I don't know what I'm talking about this morning. It's it's always early for me when I do these in the morning. Um, I'm not a morning person, so. If you want to be on owner Stories, uh, just send me a DM. You can send me a DM through um, Instagram, through Porsche Cooled on Instagram. You can send me a DM through michael.barth on Instagram. Uh, you can send me a DM at p997.1 on Instagram. I have three Instagram accounts. Uh, but Porsche Cooled is usually the best one to go through. And if you want to be on the owner Stories, just send me a DM and tell me about your cars, and uh, we'll organise a time in the near future and schedule a time. Like I said, we record all these by Zoom. It's really easy. It's great fun. Uh, I really enjoy it. I love chatting to other owners all around the world. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had so many different people now. It's it's so many different owners and so many different types of Porsches. It's uh, it's been fantastic. Anyway, enough of me rambling on. First thing in the morning, let me start up Zoom and let me get Luke on to talk about his Porsche cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back everyone. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. Like I said, this is Owner Stories and today uh, Luke has now joined me through Zoom and Luke is in uh, Brisbane in Australia, like I said, where I come from. I'll be back there very shortly. Uh, Good afternoon, isn't it, Luke? Good evening. Good evening, Luke. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Michael. Yes, it is evening. Um, It is a uh, balmy 7pm first day of April. So what's that? Oh, is that an autumn we, in, we wouldn't know in Brisbane we don't get that
0: sort of weather but yeah yeah Brisbane's always nice and uh, nice and warm that's for sure I haven't been up there for many many years um, so Luke uh, I just I just tell the listeners how we we got in contact like most people when they want to be on owner stories as I said Luke's reached out to me through Instagram uh, and I apologize to Luke now because um, I actually took a long long time to getting around to recording Luke's episode due to things that were happening. Uh, in Bahrain and then coming back to London, but we've managed to to, uh, to meet up now, which is good. So Luke, I think let's just get straight into it. Um, and as you know, the question I always like to start the podcast with is, you know, when did you, I like to start owner stories with actually, what were your first memories of seeing, a, you know, a Porsche or a 911? You know, was it, did you have any, uh, you know, uh, family growing up or friends or uh, fathers of friends or Anything, you know, anyone that owned a Porsche? When do you first remember seeing a Porsche and thinking, you know, maybe one day I'd like to own one of those?
1: It's um, much like many of my contemporaries about my age. I'm just around 40 years old. And we grew up um, essentially reading and rereading Unique Cars magazine. It was generally, you know, your father's issue and you read it front to back, back to front, because you didn't have the luxury of uh, being able to look up online if you were interested in the car. That was your resource material was that, and um, a couple of other things that came via the news agency, but that was essentially it. And from that, it was just cars, a fascination with cars. And essentially, I was a little bit miffed um, by Porsches as a younger man because I, I used to know they were valuable, but they weren't flashy. And it, it, it was sort of a bit of a value fusion scenario for me um then as i grew older i sort of uh you know fed my habit of, of cars and i ran through a load of um you know dicey secondhand sort of european cars i've had probably 40 cars to this point um i have five cars at the moment that i that i own and drive regularly but okay. um generally I, I went through a series of um lexus motor vehicles because uh if you are trying to run in a um premium vehicle on a non-premium budget a lexus was a very good option um so i went through through that spell and we ended up uh, um, with about 11 of those and wow. then um, yeah o- over the years all so different what, models. so
0: what was it the quality was it you like the quality of the lexus because it is yeah, what quite, it you know, is, in- is
1: yeah yeah Michael, you can you can drive a 20 year old lexus that's being maintained by a good mature owner owner that generally has one or two or three lexuses and um you can pick them up for uh, you know a fraction of what they cost new, but com- compared to say a five series or an E-class Mercedes, there's still a good chance that everything works. You know, it's a Japanese car. It's a little, little generally more basic or, or the performance probably not as strong, but just they don't break nearly as much as, as some of the aging European stuff. And it was just appealing to be able to get those, you know, those cars and enjoy them and run them on a, on a fairly tight budget. Um, you know, so that, that worked out quite well. And then, uh, as I sort of moved on and, 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 and left the job and moved into business, um, I was that uh, there was a very uh, sort of I can pinpoint the Porsche thing specifically where it really started was in I think 2016. I was on a trip to Melbourne with my wife and I booked the new Mustang through Herbst. Oh, Okay. So I went to Melbourne airport, booked the Mustang. No one had really driven it to that stage, but the problem was the previous renter had not returned it. Okay. So I was told by the young lady there that look, we can't help you out with a, with a Mustang today. And I was feeling a little disappointed because I booked it and, um, not that Mustangs are terribly exciting to me now, but at that point it was like, you know, this was something we hadn't really seen, um, in Australia for a little while. And it was, uh, you know, it was quite interesting. So, um, and they, uh, they went back in the office and had a little discussion. They came out and said, Luke, would you like the Porsche? And I uh, I very quickly said yes. And it was a base 981 Cayman with essentially no options except for some um, black painted wheels. It was a silver car. And that was it. I left that trip and came back and, and did whatever I could to uh, to try and acquire uh, Porsches, and that's uh, it's been that way since.
0: Okay, so you, you've been driving, you've been driving a lot of Lexus. You've been driving the, you know, the more sport versions, of Lexus, or just the sort of more comfortable saloons or the SUVs. What were you driving in Lexus?
1: Oh, well, I'm I'm quite tall, but I have had pretty much every variant of Lexus available, all the way from the full size, like the V8 limousines, your LSs, to your five series okay. size um, GSs, and. Um, and all the way down to hybrid hatchbacks that we, you know, I bought new for my for my wife and that sort of thing. So we went through and I've, I did all the track days. I've been to lots of Lexus track experiences. I've okay. been in an LFA with Alan Jones and done laps and all this sort of stuff. So I was, you know, and I still am a big fan of the brand, but it's just after that experience and it came in and I understood that that was the base sports car that they sold new. And I thought, yep. if this is the entry point, this is something that I need to be interested in and let's
0: go on from there. So you've hired this car, you, you, you hired this car, you, you drive it, you get into it. What was the first thing you noticed compared to all the Lexuses that you have driven? What was the main thing that you thought, hang on, I, I, I do need to buy a Porsche. I do need to find something. What was the main, one of the main things that you noticed?
1: There wasn't, there isn't really like, it. I, I, I do, to, to, sort of clarify, I drive a lot of different cars, so I'm comfortable getting in anyone's car and driving it, I I sort of know my way around, so I don't have to really familiarise myself, it's sort of a a byproduct of just driving a lot of cars, and um, as soon as I got in, it was just, it's an occasion, It's, it's something that you, you know, it's the typical thing that if you park it somewhere, you turn around to look, you know, you drive around, I did the, the, the beauty of those 981s, and we might even touch on this later, is that is a fantastic sports car because of the performance level being a little lower. You can drive through the keys with that PDK and just punch the next gear and hear that engine right over your shoulder. And that was back when it was a six-cylinder, obviously.
0: Yeah. And
1: it sounded amazing and um, it, it just really practical. You know, we've got like a full-size roll case in the, uh, in the front just – um you know just in the front boot and uh it's just a magnificent time in the car like it was good for all occasions and because it's a it there is sometimes a little stigmatism uh, you know with the more expansive Porsche models and generally I get a bit of that with my um my Cayenne GTS I don't think other drivers look at me with much affection but with the Cayman I got a lot of positive feedback and lots of people it's almost like it was the you know, the new Porsche sports car are the people sort of thing, maybe yeah. a little bit more attainable than, than something a bit more precious.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Cayman's are great. The 981 Cayman, like you said, the six cylinder, the Cayman, all the Boxster. Um, you know, Stephen from Sydney, who's been on, who had the 981 Boxster manual in the Guards Red. I mean, fantastic car. He loves that car. Um, You know, if people are sorting for, you know, searching for a Boxster or a Cayman and, and don't want to have that IMS issue, as you know, with the 986, 987. Um, they would look at the 981 in manual. Obviously, they're a bit more expensive. But so when you when you go back to Brisbane then, do you think, okay, I want to get a Cayman or you, you know, this is what, 2017, 2018, do you think I want to get yeah. a Cayman or you think I just I just want a Porsche? What do you no, start well, What do you start searching for, Luke?
1: I, um, at the time, I was driving a CLS Mercedes, a shooting brake, um, which was a very well-equipped car with the air suspension and all the different things and had the full – um, you know, pilot service that drive you down the road and steer and stop and start for you and everything. So it was quite a nice car. Um, but I I just kept driving I go everything from driving. The way we sort of have cars at home, I'll have a couple of company cars and a couple of extra cars and generally Utes ute and, and have sort of cars for occasion if that makes sense. So yeah. um, I had looked at a couple of 996s at dealers Um, which in retrospect, I wish I'd looked at closely because given the way the value sort of crept up, there were probably some reasonable cars, but I dismissed them because I'm quite fussy and uh, a 996 can look quite tired quite quickly with the interior materials and whatnot. So, you know, I looked at them and I drove them and and a lot of them were tips and not really what I was looking for. And then I came to a a tipping point. It was almost, it'll be two years in August um, where I was just about to pull the trigger on a black, 981 from the Porsche Center Melbourne and I dealt with the gentleman down there and it, everything was the, the transaction went really smoothly. It was okay. great value, super low kilometers, warranted car like a Porsche approved vehicle. And then um, I, I got to the point where I've got my, my kids are older, so I don't necessarily have my sons in the car with me anymore. But my daughter's only 13 and we had our exhibition show holiday that August and I thought to myself, if I buy this Cayman now, I will have to go home and swap cars constantly to accommodate. You know, it was the public holiday. We went out as, a, as a, my wife and I go out okay. together quite a bit. But it was like we wouldn't be able to take my favorite car out if, um, if this situation arose, which is a little bit short-sighted of me at the time. It probably, probably might not have been the best decision Thinking back, but of course,
0: it's a two seater, right? You need you, you want you, you want one of the no back seats.
1: yeah. So, I went away from that, and um, through a, a local contact at a Mercedes dealer, um, I actually came across my KN GTS, which is the N2A model, naturally aspirated 4.8 liter V8. Okay. okay, um. Which has the full Alcantara with the carbon, the 21-inch wheels, air suspension, massive brakes, um, hugely powerful car, and I generally I lived happily ever after with that car for a little while. So I didn't regret the decision. I still drive the car. I just so this um, was
0: your first Porsche, then the the Cayenne was your that first. Was that
1: was it. Yeah, that was it. So that was it.
0: So you were looking That's at the you're looking at the 981. You skipped on that, and you bought the you bought something that was a bit more practical but it still yeah. had performance, obviously, because you bought the GTS. Um, yeah. It kind of makes sense to me, actually, because you bought the GTS because the interior of the GTS is obviously a, a step above the standard Cayans um, or standard Porsches. Um, so yes. that's sort of going to your Lexus thing, isn't it, where you like the where you like the nice interiors because you've come from Lexus and Lexus do interiors very, very well, um, yeah. the quality yeah. of materials. Um, yeah, I just want to – sorry, Luke, just one second. I just want to tell the listeners, though, because I think this part's going to be interesting. Um, when you bought um, – I just want to tell the listeners that Luke has a business in in Brisbane called New Car Concierge. If you go to his Instagram um, and have a look, I think there's a picture of your Cayenne on that and your your 911 when we get to it. Um, So it's at New Car Concierge. So go over and have a look at Luke's Instagram and give him a follow. Um, Did you have that business when you bought the Cayenne or was that pre you starting that business?
1: I was just getting into that business. So I was just getting my... um, my license and, and this all leads you know there's all these sort of strange coincidences often with life you know you get pushed down this path and and actually coming back to not to make this uh, you know a big lexus uh, themed uh, yeah. episode, but i helped a friend find an nx a little suv and after i um he picked the car up lexus sent me a check and i thought hang on a second that i don't mind this um oh, okay. and then i that sort of that that was gem, that was sort of the starting point, and and I had a service background. I was with the airlines for a long time, and sort of okay. a customer service expert, if you will. So, um, yeah, we sort of combined that, and I, and I got a um, a business partner together who who sort of focuses on the technical side of things and carrying carbine into sort of the twenty first century and beyond, because that's the transitioning space. But. Um, yeah, we were just stepping into that. I've just been licensed, and um, yeah, I uh, I had this contact at the at the Mercedes dealer, and they they had the car, and I um, I driven it, and I was sort of hot and cold on it because I I really didn't need an SUV, but I liked the performance aspect, but the specification on the car was what was important because my GTS it's a non sunroof car, alcantara interior headliner, all the carbon. It's got radar cruise control which is huge because i live
0: what year um, was it luke what year is the Cayenne? it's a 14
1: 2014 yeah, it's a 2014 okay. um yeah that's critical well. let's
0: just go back though you, you're looking at it it's at a mercedes-benz dealer um correct. how do you i mean we all know cayenne's have got air it's got air suspension correct so air suspension you yep. know does fail um yes. not as much as it does on range rovers but air suspension does fail So how do you make sure this Cayenne, because Cayennes are very expensive to repair, right? They're quite expensive if if things go wrong. That's Um, right. So how do you you check this car out? How do you make sure that it's right? Do you trust the Mercedes-Benz dealer? Um, How do you go about it?
1: Well, all these performance SUVs can be ruinously expensive to keep under any circumstances. They're big tyres, they're heavy cars, heavy component trees, lots of different systems. The reason I was able to buy that car and I would never purchase a premium SUV like a Cayenne or something that has that much power or a turbo or Turbo S um, or any sort of late model Porsche for that matter without the opportunity to use their extended warranty. So my car, I've just picked it up from warranty work um, from the Porsche Centre Gold Coast today. So it was there overnight. They gave me a brand new Cayenne hybrid for to take home, and um, okay. So you can, yeah, you can extend that warranty for up to fifteen years at your cost. So it it makes it a much better ownership proposition to do that.
0: Fifteen years, right? I thought it was only ten. So you can do it for fifteen years. So how much? So you don't have to divulge the cost, but the cost of this warranty each year does it go up ten percent? Does it? Does it stay the same? What? How does the price increase when you get to close to, you know, like 10 years old or 12 years old? What, what is the pricing no, of these I warranties?
1: Think, I don't think the price increases. The, the thing is you are on the hook to maintain the car, so you do have to go through the Porsche service when you do need a service, but the service intervals are long. Um, the service that you get from the dealer is fantastic. They all get always, you know, apart from the, the current market, if, if you're not aware, there's no – new Porsche sports cars to drive uh, or to, to, to borrow or to look at. If you turn up to a Porsche dealer uh, around these parts, it's just Taycans, Macans and Kn's. All the 911s uh, are sold. They, they sold nine new 911s to order last week. Um, and generally before COVID, I'd get a 718 and drive it for a few days and, and Boxster's, Cayman's, everything. Um, and, and yesterday I ended up with a KNE hybrid. But um, it's interesting,
0: though, isn't it? The stock, the stock of Porsche at the moment, the um, the order process. Like people are saying, you know, the new GT3 is coming out, and it's going to be hard to get an allocation. But by all accounts, worldwide, you know, UK, US, and now you're saying Australia, is that even if you want a 911, even if you want a 992 911, it's very hard to get one. It's very hard to test drive one. It's very hard to get one. Yeah. Um, yes, the demand is are, just so great, and obviously. Around. Yeah, and obviously their production has slowed a little bit due to COVID and due to what's happening in in Europe. I guess. I guess.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. The demand is. I mean, for, for a little old dealership uh, on the Gold Coast to, to sell nine nine Elevens and not all of them Carreras, there was a, a decent proportion of Turbo Turbo S's. And in Australia, that's a half a million dollar proposition. You know, by the time you order one of those, so there's a, there's a, a a very different set of economic. Surplus happening around car buying at the moment. Yeah. So it's, um, it's
0: eye-opening. So you've got the Kion, you've got the GTS, the Kion GTS. Um, you still own it today, yeah. right? You haven't got rid of that car. You just said you've taken it in for a, for a service.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, will own it for, uh, I will own it for the foreseeable future.
0: And so have under warranty, just, I mean, we don't really have many SUV chats on this. Um, some people like them, some people don't. But have you had many issues with the car that have been fixed under warranty? Any things that are, that are huge flags that would have cost a lot of money if you hadn't have had the, you know, the Porsche extended warranty?
1: Um, not, not really. They, they, due to their diligence, picked up that I had a noisy power steering pump. Now, I, didn't, I wasn't aware there was any issues, um, but they found an issue and they fixed it. I'm not sure of the cost of that repair because it was a warranty thing um i was enjoying their um 718 Boxster. i think it was for that for about the week that i had it and um they returned the car beautifully cleaned and with a new power steering pump but i've got to think that's probably about five thousand dollars that repair so it pays for the warranty yeah Um,
0: definitely definitely pays off yeah okay so sorry go ahead
1: yeah, I was just going to say they do have – there is a reputation. If if it were me offering KN buying advice, having had that car for two years, I wouldn't run out and buy a KN for $30,000 with high kilometres. It's like anything. You need to just do your due diligence, and if you can get one with this extended program – it gives you the opportunity to buy a it gets you it gets you in the door of the Porsche ownership almost as if you were a new car buyer. You get many of the same perks, but for a fraction of the cost. And it would be the same across band if you bought an AMG Mercedes SUV or an X5M or, or anything else, you'd be paying similar costs. So
0: and the condition of the warranty is basically you have to service it at Porsche main dealers, right? That's basically the condition. And you can't really modify the car too much, correct?
1: Yes, whether or not you have to you have to service it to Porsche standards, so you have to fit genuine parts and it has to be done. So if I did a brake job, they wouldn't be terribly upset if they didn't do it, but it needed it would need to be done by someone qualified and oh, okay. now use genuine parts and that's as for the modifications, um, a, a very nice KNS rolled into the service department today while I was there. That had the lowering module, which you can do on the air suspension, um, and you can park my car low, but you can't drive it low. It'll come back up to the slightly higher than low stage. Okay. And I said to my service advisor, I said, "If I install the the, uh, the lowering module, you guys are out." And he said, "Yes, we're out if you do that." So oh, okay. I wouldn't okay. do it. Yeah. yeah
0: so there's limitations yeah. all right so you you've got the Kayan, you've got the gts you're driving around in it it's it's got a lot of power when do you start thinking okay i, I would have mine a 911 or, or what comes next was that what came next the 911
1: uh yeah essentially essentially it did there's always sort of something floating around and a lot of times i'll you know if a customer potentially buys a new car i might trade their car if it's something interesting and drive it and I'm not a second-hand car dealer by any means. I, I've never really wanted to get into that field. Um, I like to just help people navigate the space into something new. But, you know, if they have an existing car and I'm, it appeals to me, I might, you know, buy it off them or, or or whatever happens. But with the 911, it was generally doing what I do every single day and that's look through car sales the same way you do. Um, yeah. it's, I, a habit. It. it's a habit. Yeah, it's a habit. So if I'm waiting for someone, if I'm... I won't say sitting at traffic lights, but, you know, if I have a spare second, I have all my favourite searches and I really, really follow the market. Um, I follow it very closely from everything, um, from, you know, um, Toyota Land Cruisers to, uh, to Porsche 911.
0: So. Okay, so this 911 that you, which will be in the title, people will see it, but this 911 that you found, was that the one that you were looking for? Were you particularly looking for this model or this variant or were you looking for something else?
1: I was looking for a car that wouldn't upset the, uh, the flow or the budget of what we have on cars. We generally have, like, you know, I, I've got the KN, I've got a new um, three th- uh, 330 M Sport here that just turned up a couple of months ago. So, I you know, I didn't essentially want to overdo it. Um, actually, going back a step, when I had that Mercedes CLS, the gentleman I sold it to had a 997 Carrera S in Atlas grey. It was a tip, but it was an extended leather car. And it was beautiful. Yeah, It was absolutely beautiful. So before I bought the KN, I he had uh, said to me, he's still a good friend of mine and a Porsche fan. He's got a 944 Turbo. But he said, Luke, I went to his house to drop off the CLS he bought from me and um, I saw this Porsche and he said, I'll sell it to you. So I agreed to buy it, but he got cold feet and then essentially sold it probably four months later. So that was a, that's difficult for me to process daily, but that that car would have worked out fantastically because he looked after it so well. It was moderate kilometres. I think it was around 100,000, so maybe a little bit higher, but. The sort of price we were talking about, and the condition of the car, and the extended leather, and the way he looked after the paint—I mean, that would have been a much better proposition than the GTS and the 996 put together. It would have been fantastic. But
0: Right, right.
1: Sale R V. So you yeah. missed out on
0: that, and then you—you you still you're looking through car sales. You're thinking, okay, I want something within budget. And we all yeah. know, well, we all know they used to be. I don't—they're not now. But um, I just saw it, and I don't know whether you saw it, Luke. I just saw a 996 Carrera on car sales. Um, that just came up 70-odd thousand kilometres and they want $79,000 for it.
1: Yes. Um, So the prices are going very
0: up, very up, very quickly.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure they will secure that money for that car, but, you know, it's worth a try because the 997 prices have gone up so much in this country. You must be, you're sitting there in sunny England well, making money on a daily basis well, on your this car. Is, this is the
0: thing, you know, I, I have been really, and I mentioned this in, I actually mentioned this in the podcast that's coming up on, on well, we're recording this in advance, but I, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, that those two on car sales, those two 997 Carreras, you know, I still can't understand, I can't believe they're 125,000. They want 125,000 for them. Um, yeah. And this is because I've just gone through the process with Porsche Insurance of trying to get them to up the market value of my car, uh, with with little luck, you know, with a bit of luck, but not not complete luck, um, because there's no way they would insure it close to over a hundred thousand, no way in the world. So it'd be interesting to see if these two cars sell, um, because I do know that Classic Throttle Shop a while back had a base Carrera for around a hundred and nine or a hundred and five. Uh, which sold, so I don't know whether he sold it at the asking price, but it definitely did sell.
1: Yeah, the the market's strong. Um, Lawbeck had a really nicely optioned, had the carbon buckets. It was a white Carrera S, and it was a Series One car. Everything was moderate about it, except it had the nice Aero kit. It was hundred and fifty. It was on there for two days. Like it wasn't. I, I'm not sure if you saw that car, but if that sold for anywhere near asking that is a very strong result
0: yeah i didn't see that but i mean in australia in general i mean i was looking uh for the internationalists they're probably getting a bit bored with this but i was looking at uh i think gt3 rs's 991s and things like that i think they were on porsche forums australia people were talking about it and then you click on the link and they've already gone the cars have already sold so the market's obviously really really strong and maybe this comes back to the point where it's hard to get new allocations of cars and people are looking at you know still looking at, you know, the previous generation. Um, I still think the previous generation of the GT3 is still better than the new one in my mind. I still think it's it's still the one to look for, the 0.2, 991.2. Yes, okay, so I you, agree. So you're looking for a 996. mm mm-hmm. How do you find it and, and what do you find? Tell the listeners how you went how you found this car and, and what, what it was.
1: Okay, so as it turns out, the car was at the lower end of the scale because it was a cab. It had the hard top. It was a completely standard car, okay, completely standard. It looked a little sad, to be honest. It's Arctic Silver over Metropole. Um, It has about 140,000 kilometres. As, you know, the the 17s that came, the base 17s. Um, The thing about it, though, was the provenance of the car. So the previous owner had owned it since it was two years old. There was a massive file on the car from all the known shops in the area everything that could have been done to this car was done and without going into too much details the previous owner of my car um is purported to own a carrera gt a 918 spider a 996 gt3 a 997 gt3 an f40 300 sl as okay. one of the yeah one of the best collections of uh, and this is their family car so i got to know them a little bit um, and um, they're really fantastic people. And it just, as, as you guys talk about quite often um, on the podcast, sort of, uh, you know, buying, you know, uh, it's, what is it you're doing with the seller? You're um, buying the seller? Buy the or, seller,
0: or, yeah. Or, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's essentially it. Because I'll tell you, I didn't do a PPI on this car.
0: Okay, so he was the person selling the car. You bought it directly from him or from a dealer?
1: I bought it from the, no, I bought it privately from the son. So from the family from the okay. family yeah
0: and they still have the the family they still have all these car, they still have the they have GT? A,
1: yeah a multi nation car collection and everything they're big in the in the local Porsche club and everything like that and um and, and do a lot of motorsport and that sort of thing um but okay. fantastic uh, really enthusiastic people that that know more about Porsche than you know they've forgotten more about Porsche than I'll ever know I would say but um you know low key um you know you won't find all these cars on instagram or anything but they um you know it's it's good to have uh you know to know that the that the car's been looked after really well um no matter what price you pay for a 911 keeping a 911 is a completely different proposition and um and as soon as i got the car um, and we negotiated on that, and I picked the car up. I have just extensively modified it since it turned up. So um,
0: okay, so let's yeah. let's talk about that. So you didn't get a PPI. I mean, that's you know, it's understandable. You you spoke to the owner, you trusted them, and it had a great service history, though, like you said, right? It had a fantastic service history.
1: Extensive receipts on the car. Um, so and part of negotiating was not getting a PPI. It's basically you're selling a car. I can make your life easy and just pay this amount of car and disappear off into the sunset, you know, and not be a pain in their backside. And that makes a big difference to a seller.
0: Yeah. I don't want you to tell the list. You don't have to tell the listeners how much you pay for the car, but was it, was it in the low range, the medium range, or the high range based on, on 996 prices at the time?
1: It was in the low range.
0: Okay. All right. So it's got, it's got quite a lot of, it's got a reasonable amount of kilometers on it. It's not that heavy. It's got a reasonable amount of kilometers on it, which, yeah. you know, for a 996, we all know. And well, we don't know, but it's said that if it's a well-driven 996, you know, and the IMS issue hasn't appeared, then it may not ever happen. You know what I mean? It might be just one of those things that never happened. So in all these repairs to the car, Luke, had the had the IMS been uh, upgraded, had you know things like clutch etc been changed or was it pretty much you know you had to start from scratch and start fixing
1: things no that everything had been done um just by pure repair so essentially um i think the synchros in the gearbox went out at some point so the gearbox came out new clutch a full overhaul one of the heads on the engine caused an issue so there is a there's a receipt for, I think, probably over $20,000 for wow. the rebuild of that engine wow. at some point. And it wasn't an IMS-related failure, um, you know. And the car still, the people that look after the car for me for the work that I'm not doing, they were the ones that know that car inside out, you know. They, they were the ones that, the gentleman that was doing some work on my convertible roof a month ago, he was the one that actually rebuilt the engine on the car. So it's nice to know that, you know, you've got people that are familiar with it. It's very important when you're dealing with these cars is to trust the people that are working on
0: them. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. That's great. It's great that it was a locally delivered car and you've still got all those, you know, all those people around you that you can actually, you know, use and draw upon. So that's fantastic. Um, And it seems like if the previous owner owned the car for that long, they must have been very happy with it as well. I mean, that's always a good sign that the car has been a great car because they've they've owned it for so many years, correct? Yes.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: All right, so you take delivery. This is your first 911. Uh, it's a 996 Cabriolet. Uh, tell the listeners how it felt when you first went for a drive in it. Did you think about that 981 that you hired in Melbourne or was it a completely different experience? How did it feel?
1: Well, it was funny, actually. The day that I collected it, I was still driving a brand-new 718 um. Uh, yeah, brand new seven one eight Boxster, okay. and uh, yeah, so I went to pick it up, and the uh, the seller was a little confused because I turned up in a brand new Porsche sports car, a black with the uh, wheel upgrade, and it looked magnificent. And he was selling a, a, a kind of tired looking nine nine six. But I took one of my um, one of my employees with me, who's actually a mechanic. Um, by trade so he, he helps me with all my car stuff uh, when we do these sorts of things Okay, and um yeah we, we went for a little uh a little drive through the hills and uh and, and took it back to be honest i didn't i didn't gel with the car probably straight away because it doesn't it doesn't smack you in the face as you know ultimate performance and everything i was surprised by how long the gearing was with the okay. manual um you know i'm very particular so some of the finishes on the interior or the seats um I wasn't particularly excited about that I knew the wheels were far too they were underwhelming um and I was just desperate to get to work on it essentially um but you know i for, for how long I've been dreaming, I really never honestly thought it would be feasible to, to have a 911. Like it is a, you know, I know it's a 996, but it's a, it's definitely a 911. So, um, yeah. But it's a
0: manual. It's a, it's a manual, right? So you said it was gearing. So you've got a manual, yeah, yeah, manual yeah. 996. So you've got the right transmission. Yep. Um. So, okay. Yes. So you've got this car, you can, you, you already know that the gearing's a bit long, that the shift is a bit long. You need something to fix that up. So what do you yep. start thinking about? What, what are the things that you've done? Tell the listeners because everyone's really interested in this side of it. What did okay. you start thinking about? What were the mods you started thinking that, hang on, I, I really want to do this?
1: Well, I wanted, to clean up, I wanted to clean up the interior. So the car had the detachable hard top and I don't really like the way it looks and it's not particularly nice when you're driving around because the hard top moves in one direction and the car moves in another and it squeaks it's generally the way um yeah they're they're really well designed and they're trimmed beautifully on the inside and and some people like the way it looks um but it was just a matter of uh once i got it i was i wanted to get it off but i knew that the rear window on the soft top was in poor condition and it wasn't really weatherproof um and this was all disclosed during the buying purchase you know we clearly pointed out everything it needed um there was a bruise on the front bar the, uh, the rubber apron on the uh, pop-up spoiler was perished. There were some other little bits and bobs. Um, so I just went through wheels and tires. I extensively have bought most of the things for this car through Chance Encounters, Facebook Marketplace, Suncoast Porsche, and sort of everything in between. Um, and, and where we've ended up. Um, so
0: what was as, the first as- thing you did? The very first thing you said, I can't live with this.
1: Yeah, was it the I interior it or the wheels? Helpful. It was the wheels. I I fitted a set of eighteen-inch um, Carrera the 996 Series Two wheels with track tires that I bought from a Boxster Spider owner on the Gold Coast. Okay so um yeah the the list is there a picture there's with no a, picture there on your instagram
0: of those wheels is there no i can't no, see. no
1: i don't they weren't on for long i think they're the um they're just the standard sort of five spoke you'll know they're an 18 versus a 17 inch oh, and okay. they're a little bit wider They okay. they fit a little better so yeah. they were nice um then uh after that i moved to the I like in 996s, I really like the GT3 console delete. Because I'm taller, I need that little bit of extra space for the clutch articulation. Yes. So I um, removed the console and then bought the trim piece from Suncoast. I've got the classic flat bottom dash now. I've got some new floor mats, just anything I could to really jazz the, uh, the inside up, um, you know, just by adding little knickknacks and little receiver caps for the hard top. You know, i got new ones of those. Um, fitted the 997.
0: Cheaper. So, sorry, Luke, you said your interior was gray. Is it the gray color? interior? Uh, it's
1: Metropole, it's navy. It's, oh, it's uh, navy. Uh, it's with Metropole, yeah, which is okay. the navy that's a
0: nice component. That's a nice combination,
1: yeah. Navy roof, so it is nice. Um, again, the 996, the non leather interiors, the ones with sort of just the vinyl dash and the door cards, they are. Condition dependent, I would say. If you've got a very nice one, um, they're nice. And if you've got a shabby one, it's shabby. So, um, and I'm somewhere in between. I'm still to do a full, I mean, so furiously modding the car, I haven't had a chance to give it the full thorough, you know, toothbrush out detail that I still, that it's due. Yeah. So well, I mean, the problem
0: yeah, with 996s is when you always look at them. I don't know what it is about the 996 because the 997s never look this bad. It's always the bolster on the driver's seat is always in really bad condition. And maybe that's yeah. just because it's a little bit older than the 997, but it's it always seems to look bad on a lot of 996s that are advertised. I don't know why.
1: Yeah. It's hard to take a good interior photo of a 996, I sort of believe. But um, – it certainly dressed it up doing the console delete. Um, I replaced the head unit. It had a non Bluetooth little Alpine. I swapped it out. It was like a two hundred dollar thing, but at least now I can you know play the podcast in the car, um, yep. listen to your uh, your fantastic podcast while I'm driving through the mountains or whatever. And then now I can do that wirelessly instead of having a wire running around. So that that's been done. Um, and the big change for the interior was replacing those seats, which are uh, not very supportive, a little small, and they're not really sports car seats. To be fair, I don't know. They don't. They're, they're not really great. And I was lucky enough to find the Recaro GT3 seats. So oh, that you was put, a
0: big- Oh, you put GT3 seats in in the car. Nine nine six GT3 seats.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. So if you look carefully in some of those photos, you'll see it has. The oh, big, fantastic! Um, you know, harness receivers and stuff.
0: Yeah, the console yeah. delete is very clean. I do like that. When you see it in nine nine six GT threes, when you see that console delete, it looks. It does actually look very. Makes it look more sort of air cooled, I guess, in a way. Um, yeah, so, so, how was the the seat thing? Was that an easy fit? Was it just a, a complete just a switch over? There was no issues with changing the seats out.
1: No issues at all. It's basically four bolts, the same four bolts because they're designed for the car, and I actually bought them from a gentleman who. Had a highly modified 996 turbo but he was just a different shaped human to me and i'm a little sort of taller and they fit me well and he was sort of more stocky and powerful and he just said they held his legs in a uncomfortable position so he um he he went to great expense to fit a different set of recaros and and get the seats all adapted for his liking and and had these seats in near perfect condition genuine 996 gt3 seats and it was it's a no-brainer they go in and okay. um, yeah, transform
0: the car the the obvious question here luke you know and i'm sure other people are listening to this thinking the same thing these seats can almost be the, the price of a car these gt3 seats um are not cheap i mean 997 ones are not cheap so obviously you got these at a, a pretty good price right to be able to switch them out because they're 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 expensive seats
1: they uh buy what you and it's the theme for the car because we'll move on to something else which is also I, I got very lucky but let's just say that i got very lucky and they are um i had to you know make sure they were genuine because i understand there are some copies floating around the market but to be able to find them on facebook and actually physically go to someone's house and look at them steady norm and everything because a lot of these parts like you have to order them sight unseen you know you don't know you've got transport risks you, there's all these different scenarios you could face and with something like that it was just that situation was never going to arise again and, and and i was already very disappointed with the standard seats so to be able to upgrade and get those yeah um,
0: so what did you do with the step with the seats are in the car did you did you have you are you hanging on to them for if you ever sell a car again or did you just yeah, sell off the seats
1: I'm, I'm holding on to them. They weren't in bad condition. They were generally um, pretty good. Um, and they just they are sitting in the shed basically because those those seats that are in there they might not suit someone or I might, you know, I, I might end up with a hard top nine nine six at some point. We might play, you know, a bit of seat shuffle or horn, who knows? But at the moment they combined the seats with the nine nine seven short shift kit that I bought from Suncoast. Okay. And the way the car's set up um, with the with the chassis, which we'll get to, it's transformative. It has made such a difference to the driving experience.
0: So. so I don't know whether you know my my story with the short shifter kit. When I first got it, I wasn't that impressed by it with the 997 short shifter kit. That's what I put into my car that Auto House Hamilton fitted. Um, I've changed my mind now. I think it is. I think it is good. But I think I was tainted because of Steve's um, numeric shifter in his GT3 was just so much more mechanical. Are you happy with the short shifter once you put it in? You got it fitted and and you were happy with the throw?
1: It's an acquired taste. You sort of have to flick gears. If you try to push them in, it's a different movement. But then once you you get in, um, and I was in the mountains the other day and I drove it back to back with an E92 M3, um, a manual car that my friend has, and it was very interesting, the two different shift actions. Um, the 996 is definitely more, um, you know, hesitant shift, but, um, you can still shift quickly and it, it's satisfying. Pull it's, you've, it, it's, I don't want it to be too easy. You know, yeah, it's nice, yeah. and, you know, you got to get it right.
0: But, I, but I think Luke for the 996, it's, it's a bigger upgrade, isn't it? The 997 short definitely. shifter kit, because isn't definitely. the 996 throw is actually longer than the standard 997 oh. throw. So I've been told.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, no, it was a very noticeable. And each time you can exchange a used part for a new one. It wasn't a very expensive upgrade. To stick that in made a, made a huge difference. And it was it just freshened the car up. It's all about, you know, a 20... 22, 23-year-old car feeling as fresh as it can be, so...
0: Well, usually I would say, and you probably heard me say it before, usually I would say the three key options are, you know, the short shifter, the wheels, and the sound, and the exhaust, but you've kind of thrown a fourth one in now with the, with the seats, because I'm picturing your, your cab, and I'm picturing it with those GT3 seats, and with the console delete, and I think that looks, you know, that really just changes the whole look of the car, so... Yes. Let's go on. So what wheels do you have on the car now? Because I saw your picture on Instagram and they look like they're pretty big. So what did you change the wheels to?
1: Uh, the wheels are 997 GT3 or they actually came from a GT3 RS. So they're hollow spoke, genuine wheels, 12 inches in the rear. They could be eight and a half in the front and then they're 19 inch. Um, and they're black, uh, factory black paint. And um, they have the Porsche crest caps at the moment. Um, and they'll probably stay like that for a little while, but they are um, they are magnificent wheels. I am in love with the wheels on my car. Even static, just sitting there, they are a thing of beauty, so I'm very happy with
0: And them. they And they fit the 996 okay?
1: No. They no, don't. they don't. <laughs> okay. No. So they what are the fit. issues
0: with the size?
1: The issue is they're far too wide So on the rear. So they, they come fitted with a 305 3519, Um so yeah, we had to come back to a two nine five. It might be thirty, might be a thirty profile, but they're a nineteen um at a two nine five. And the Michelin tire has a much more upright sidewall than some other brands. So when I switched in the rear, um I've actually running a, a Kumo on the rear at the moment. I'm just trying out things. So what we did is we fitted. I picked up again from Facebook some Gambala coilovers. You know the tuning brand Gambala that yes. made all those horrific uh, acquired taste modified 911s yeah. in the uh, in the 2000s. Yeah.
0: yeah, very acquired taste. Yep.
1: Yeah. So the, the 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 coilover kit is actually a H&R coilover kit that's just been painted red and Gambala put on it. And they had it was a used kit that someone was trying to put on a a custom race car or something never did it they had no kilometers on them i bought a 500 dollars put them in the car that helped tip these wheels in to the point that they almost cleared and then i went to uh, Aussie Auto uh, bought a guard roller and uh, used a heat gun and just lightly rolled it cuz there's a big lip on the inside of the 996 rear so we run a uh, i think it's a 10 mil spacer on the front and on the back there's no space so just a bit of camber and the 295 tyres which is not not overly stretched but just it has a little bit of angle on the sidewall, wall and so it fits how does it,
0: how does it drive now then
1: magnificently there's no scraping there's no nothing it drives it's direct it's so it drives fast it's you know really really good
0: even on those mountain roads outside of brisbane there
1: Perfect. I just did the uh, Glorious and Nebo run the other day and um, the thing that I was probably wanting at this stage is maybe some brakes, you know, and that's, I haven't given the brakes a hard time, so I don't know whether or not it's just okay. not a very strong responsive pedal or whether or not I'm actually running out of brakes, but um, yeah, it was great.
0: All right, so you've, you've done the console delete, you've done the short shifter kit, you've changed the GT3 seats, you've put the GT3 wheels on. Yeah. Anything else?
1: Uh, A load of sort of maintenance, so things like engine mounts, you know, brake fluid flush, service items, um, made sure everything on the car works. I actually did the centre console when the front bar got taken off for paint. um, It had a big bruise on it, so I had that fully refurbished and repainted. I actually took the center console out and had that painted body color as well that's a popular standard yeah, option that looks so, ant-
0: that's a great thing on the nine nine six I think that's a must to do on a nine nine six if I ever bought a nine nine six I would do that too I think it just just improves it because that center console in the nine nine six always looks a little bit a little bit dodgy doesn't it it never holds yeah. up very well and when it's painted nah. in body color it always looks you know I think it looks fantastic yeah
1: so that was a big improvement that really lifted things so we did that. I did the um, the exhaust uh, the gundo hack, you know the YouTube exhaust mod, the, um, yes. the pipe that I welded in. So that's been done. So the exhaust sounds um, really nice now.
0: So Luke, you had that done in a in a muffler shop in Brisbane, and they just they just did the hack for you.
1: What actually happens is the um, the service the independent service place um, in Brisbane that's quite famous uh, out here in Tennyson that work on some of the mag- most magnificent cars. So when my I was in on the horse to the left and the Carrera GT and you look to the right and there'll be a 2.7 R. I mean just amazing stuff
0: yeah, in there fantastic.
1: it's 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 always an experience going in there but they I trust them to use the right you know if they say we're going to have the body shop look at it I know it's the right body shop if they say they're going to send it over to the exhaust shop and or take the exhaust off like I trust them because they're, they're Porsche enthusiasts they're owners they're they're, you know, they're really, really a great bunch of guys and um, I I much prefer, because of the experience I'm about to touch on, just giving – if I've got having them deal with it rather than try and shop around for – the less people's hands on the car at this stage, the better, as I'm concerned, if that yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah, the Gundo hack – I mean, the Gundo hack is very similar, almost the same as the fister exhaust that I have on my car. And I know some people say that the Gundo is actually – can be a little bit louder i'm not sure if it is or not but some people do say that it's a louder a louder sounding um mod once you've had it had it done but either or they're both they're both great things to do and both easy so what else what else are you planning for the 996 cab is there anything else you'd like to do that you haven't done as yet
1: um well the roof on it maybe <laughs> would be nice um you know it's it's always gonna be uh it's a nice um Sunday car I do sometimes daily drive it just because I like to get out in it um it's always going to be sort of limited as far as being able to to track it or anything like that by it sort of being a cab um it is really a smooth car on the motorway even with the wheels set up the way they are and the suspension um you put the windows up with the roof down even if it's raining as long as you're moving you won't get wet like it's it's really, really very usable um, for such a sort of low, hard, you know, stiff setup, but not uncomfortable by any means. So yeah. it's um, really du- you can do a long drive in it and not be uh, uncomfortable. But um, I'm sure yeah. if you go
0: to um, I'm sure if you go to any Porsche events in Brisbane, I'm sure you get a lot of questions about it, especially when they see the uh, GT3 seats in it as well, which is probably a, not a very common mod for people to do on their 996 cabs.
1: Well, well, to be fair, I'm actually looking forward to um, one of the events. The car, because I only have a certain number of spaces here at home, often when I know that I'm going to be particularly busy with work or I've got another car coming in, I will actually send it up to a, a local place that does um, storage and it you know parks up next to a row of amazing Machinery, but they actually host shows on the grounds there, so they have Porsche shows, they have all English day shows, and Ferrari shows. So, um, they, uh, they're familiar with seeing the car in a different state, but nobody, like, I've literally just finished it, you know, um, getting it all set up and getting everything pretty much the way I like it. I want to do a full paint correction and protection, um, yeah. I might. One of the headlights is maybe a little bit sad. I might see if I can track something down. Every day I look for things. I'd like to do a steering wheel, Michael, but they're incredibly expensive. Um, yeah, I know
0: they're way too expensive. I, I I always hesitate on that. Steve always pushes me to change my steering wheel, but I just I hesitate because I mean you can pick up some cheap ones on eBay, and you've probably seen them. I mean every now and again they appear, um, but you know it's 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 an expensive mod the steering wheel. That's for sure. And which one would you yeah. get? You know what I mean. Which one would you choose?
1: Yeah, because like my, my, I've got the 993 steering wheel because mine's one of the early years. Mine's a 3.4, so oh, okay. mine's the just the, yeah the square box, pretty much one of the uh, the saddest sort of designs. I'm a bit maybe it's retro cool at this point, but um, yeah, I'm. Uh, so yeah. it sounds
0: like you got it very sorted then. I mean, the the hard top is always the soft top, I should say. The convertible top is always a problem with these cabs, isn't it? Because it's an expensive fix, isn't it? Um,
1: especially if you do it twice. So um, that's what I was going to sort of touch on and just something that is critical um, that if you have these cars and they're getting harder and harder to find secondhand parts and it's it's harder for a car to be written off. You know before, if you crashed a 986 Boxster, oh, we'll sell it for parts. If you crashed a 996, beyond economic repair, they're not doing that anymore. The cars are staying on the road. They're too valuable um, and, and as a result, secondhand parts becoming more and more difficult um, to obtain, especially locally, you know, different in the States and stuff where you have a lot, even the UK perhaps where there's a lot more cars, but around here it it's harder and harder to track down bits and it's going to be sort of as a result a bit more expensive to keep on the road. But what actually happened is I went to a motor trimming specialist to have the roof re- replaced Um, Ordered the part in from Germany and he replaced it in a very poor manner. Right. So as a result, I then had to go off to my independent specialist who's Porsche trained in roof fitting and it took him a very, very long time to rectify it. So that was a big, that was, that. that's one of the things that it's very, very important. You know, this, the, the trimmer was, oh, we do Ferraris and no problems, absolutely. Okay. And it no, it was not a good outcome.
0: So is it okay now? Has it been rectified yeah, yeah, now? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is. But, I mean, that was a very stressful experience.
0: Yeah, the, the soft top's a bit of a weird one. And, and I have, I think, told this story before. And I read it on Porsche's um, newsroom site. And it was about the Boxster. And it was about a 2002 Boxster that someone had bought and they started going to classic shows. And they were talking about the top. And this was in Germany, right? It was a German car, um, and they said they they didn't actually get it done by Porsche. Porsche recommended a saddlery, a place that specialises in saddles and that sort of leather good, and they did the top, which I thought was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe even Porsche in Germany, they you know they don't really want to sort of mess with these tops. Maybe they are very very hard to get to get them 100% right. Um, yeah. I don't know. No,
1: definitely you do. They are very, very difficult. The process is, you know, fit, wet it, stretch it, leave it in the sun. Like it is convoluted. The thing has to be done off the car. So, the moral of the story is: if you own a Boxster or a Nine Eleven, if you're getting your roof changed, make sure they have references and they can say, or you know, someone that's had it done because it is. If someone thinks they can work it out on the fly or watch YouTube, they cannot. It is right. very, very complicated.
0: Okay. So tell me about the, um, just tell me briefly, what, what was the 98, 1985 Carrera that you mentioned that you had seen or passed through your head? Yeah. What was that one about?
1: Yeah. So a good friend of mine um, and actually a client of mine um, had, we helped them get into a 718 Cayman Um which they didn't have for especially a uh, long time. Um, and that is probably, they're a fine sports car and they have really good performance. The performance exceeds the sort of 981, but they are lacking a certain Porsche quality uh, just because of the forcing of the turbo and the, the noise it makes and everything. So everything else about it is the definitive Porsche, but the engine and the, the way it produces power and everything just there's a disconnect there's a bloodline that runs all the way through all these different cars that i drive and it's missing from that particular car i feel anyway okay, um, okay. yeah doesn't gts uh four liters and everything completely different but you know those 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 four cylinder 718s are two liters and 2.5s but yes regardless so he had that car um wasn't super thrilled with it and then went out and we we constantly just compare notes he was looking at 991 um you know 991 Carrera T um all different things to the moon and back again we looked at everything and then the Porsche Center Melbourne had a immaculate um like a burgundy colored 85 cab Um, and there's the cab thing again but it's a value proposition and this car was show quality immaculate it had been through and it had actually been certified or some process because the porsche center melbourne is a porsche uh group owned dealership
0: yes they're um, classic yeah. specialists right they do the classic all the classic restorations there yeah
1: that's right so they had touched the car and it was exceptional so he bought the car side unseen it, it got shipped up here to southeast queensland and um essentially the Porsche Centre Melbourne had a deal with Brisbane up here that if anything needed fixing on the car, if there was any rough running or any little bits and pieces, that it was going to get rectified up here. So um, my friend is on the Sunshine Coast. For the listeners, it's about two hours away. And, and when you're busy uh, during the week, it's a bit of a trek to come down. And despite how hard we try, we can't drive two cars at once. Um, it, would make a big, <laughs> it would make a huge difference if we could, yeah. but yeah. Um, it was yeah, very difficult so um yeah i picked the car up and i had it here for probably probably three weeks um and i drove it a fair bit with the roof up and the roof down and and really enjoyed it's a completely different experience um but really enjoyable and to drive a sorted one as close to new as you can imagine um was definitely a privilege it's a a beautiful thing
0: so it was it was really well looked after so what was the, I mean, this is the obvious question here. You've got your 996 cab at the time, right? You've got your cab. Yep. And then you've got the air-cooled, uh, air-cooled 85 Carrera cab. What yes. was the, What was the difference? Did it feel like a heavier car? Did it feel like a slower car? How did it feel?
1: Um, ergonomically, I fit a lot better in the newer car. Um, there was some problems like using the clutch and then shifting into fifth gear um, I sort of have to do like a two-step approach uh, with that because of the there's limited leg room. Everybody waves and smiles at you in the older car. Um, not the case with newer Porsches. Not everybody wants to be your friend on the road, but um, it was very well received and it looked just magnificent. It has the Fuchs wheels and the, the stance on the car was spot on. It was just when you see a car of that age in that condition, everybody's interested, you know. It, it's a real beautiful thing.
0: Sorry, Luke. No wing, or did it have the wing?
1: No, no, no. I didn't have a wing. It was sort of like it's a narrow body car, just a smooth, original, um, you know, a, a period color with the period color interior, and um, you know, all the the roof is perfect, and you're know, just an amazing uh, thing. Um, really, really did very well buying that car. Fantastic value um, transaction there, and uh, it, it was really nice, but. To be honest, um, the the nine nine six driving them back to back, it just it, it things moved on so much. Yeah, uh, yeah. The power delivery, that the directness of the steering, the ability to place the car, the braking, the the manoeuvrability, everything about it. You know, no way you look at it is vastly superior as you move along generations, as you'd expect. So, um, mm, mm. yeah, but still enjoyable for what it is, definitely. Really Fantastic. Enjoyable. It's
0: great to experience anyway. At least you've experienced sure. that air-cooled thing. So, you know, having experienced the air-cooled, uh, you know, air-cooled 911, owning the 996, owning the Kion GTS – is there something else that's on your list that you'd like to get a hold of that you'd like to buy? Are you going to keep the GTS? Are you going to keep the nine nine six? What's what? What are the plans for the future? Anything? Anything you've been thinking about?
1: Um, yeah, I've I've got a little bit of a list going. I believe it or not, I still want to buy a Panamera. We're big Panamera fans in the household. Okay. Um, it's just the balance between value and age, and I don't. I would never really want to spend the prerequisite three or four hundred thousand dollars to to purchase a a new one. Um, and then, yeah, I don't, I don't want a diesel and I don't want a V6 and I don't want a 12 year old one and I want one with warranty. So it really narrows the field. Um, so that's that's something that's on there and that would probably be more like a car that my wife has always been interested in so that might be something that she might get into at some stage so would that Um,
0: replace the cayenne that would
1: be the replacement for a cayenne uh, that might replace her bmw to be honest that might be um you know that might actually just be her everyday um everyday transport she's had some really nice cars in the past it's um it's a good excuse to buy another car and just say it's. Uh, yeah. so... no. Look, I, yeah. I like
0: the Panamera. I know a lot of people hate it. I mean, they're very popular yeah. in Bahrain. There was a lot of them in Bahrain. A lot of them that were yeah. sort of hardly hard, you know, very very hard driven sort of cars. But I do like them. I like the GTS. You know, the the Panamera GTS yeah. you know, was it 2015 model or whatever it is, something like that. I think beautiful. it's you know yeah. beautiful, beautiful car.
1: And that's what I—that's what I'm after. Uh, essentially, would be something like that, like a 15 GTS, last of the the 970 chassis, um, and that's a you know really nice car. But it combines the the engine that I have in my car, uh, in my GTS, but it has a PDK, which really unleashes yeah. that responsive performance, and it's um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and, then, they're,
0: and they're beautiful cars to sit in. I mean, I've been in Panameras. They, you know, even the back seat. I mean, they're just a really comfortable, luxurious Porsche. I mean, I think they're a, yeah. and for the money now, because they have depreciated quite a lot. They're actually they're a good value.
1: Yeah, that that that's for sure. But it's just it's the running costs and the conditions of that. So you just need to make sure that it's at the right place, kilometers wise, and that you're still able to you know utilize the the Porsche warranty. I've watched the market very closely and as soon as they come for sale, like used approved, they sell, you know, yeah, but they yeah. go on um, immediately. So, um, yeah, so that's one. Um, I would probably still buy a 981 if the right car came up, um, you know, the right combination in a PDK just because I like, I really like that gearbox and that car with that engine combination, like in a, in a, um, in a, like a Cayman or Boxster S, um okay. PDK, I, I really like the the idea of that. So just because of the value and like probably a sports car you could own for a couple of years and 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 sell and not really lose any money. So that would yep. be that would be um, something I'd look at. But really, what I want is a 911. The problem is, is the 911s. Uh, it will settle at some point, and not having to you know just harp on about the Australian market and, and alienate our international listeners. But there is. You know, a nine nine one, a nine nine seven point two PDK car, I would love one of those, but they just they seem to be uh more expensive than really probably what they're worth at this point.
0: Um, yeah, they're very expensive. So. Especially if you get a Carrera S. I mean I yeah. I still like the nine nine I mean I said this I've said this the other day. I the nine nine seven point two, you know, Carrera two S in manual, you know, if if one came up and it wasn't too expensive, I'd, I'd definitely be tempted because I think you know just that little bit of extra more power over my car, um, you know, and in the upgraded point .2, it would be a, it would be tempting. It would be very tempting, but they're just way too expensive when they come up, and there's so few of them around as well, especially in manual.
1: What what would be your comfort level there? Because I just I, they just seem to be so like those .2s because they're the last of. Before the 991, when the car really got big, um, and they're really like they're going to be the ones to watch. But it's like, but
0: I think they're about 170,000. I think I saw one for 169,000 advertised. You know what I what? mean? A while that's back, a I think it was 169 in Sydney, and I think it sold reasonably quickly. I think that's when you're getting to that price, as you know. I mean, you'd you'd have to go into it. You'd have to look at the 991.1. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, definitely. Carrera S. Definitely. I mean. Yes. Nine hundred one point one Carrera S. I probably wouldn't go manual. I'd probably go PDK. Um, in the earlier models. Yeah. Um. Definitely. But you know, that's. I mean, they're pri they're, they're as you know, the prices of those are coming down. They're not coming down that quickly though, are they? In the nine hundred one point one. I noticed that they're okay. they're sort of there, but they're not there yet.
1: No, and before, prior to this little mini boom that we're having at the moment with everything, and this is everything from Utes to. Anything and everything in Australia in automotive and automotive uh, context has just had a spike, you know. I've had, I've had customers that have paid $100,000 for land cruises three months ago and just sold them for a $30,000 profit. Like, it's it's yeah. unseen circumstances over here at the moment. but
0: yeah. And globally yeah. as well, though, Luke, you know what I mean? Or I think yeah. everywhere. I mean, this whole car market has just gone due to COVID and, you know, Australia yeah. is actually okay at the moment. But due to COVID, the car market has just gone crazy, whether or not it's classic cars or, you know, Especially cars from the 80s and 90s, as we know, I mean, it's just gone. It's just gone insane. Japanese, you know, Japanese cars, everything. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to find a bargain at the moment. That's for sure. So what? So just uh, we're getting to the end of the podcast because we like to keep these to an hour. But just tell the listeners, um, people who are in Brisbane and they want to. So you mainly find new cars for people, right? Not necessarily used cars.
1: Yeah. Well, our service is Australia wide. Um, but basically how it works is if you have an idea for a car um, our service is free you can contact us through the website or through Instagram Um, all our details are on there and we can just talk through the process the same as if you were looking for real estate or some other things and, and basically just because of uh, sort of my experience of knowing the model range of all the different makes and, and what makes, uh, you know, ownership experience pleasant. So we handle everything from finding the car, um, financing the car, you know, giving you advice and anything that you want advice in. Some people come to us and they know exactly what they want and the colour and they just want us to try and objectively get the best price. And we're happy to do that too. But some people come and they don't even know what sort of car they want. And we help, and we buy everything from, you know, high-level, um, you know, sports cars and luxury cars to to basic utes, fleet customers and, and everything in between, but we don't generally look at used cars because... We want happy customers all the time and we want them to be able to have a commodity that's backed by the brand and um, and they can enjoy their ownership experience.
0: So, you, so basically you're sourcing, you, you help people find these cars that could be in a dealer in Australia, which is like hidden somewhere in the country or something like that. So you have the process where you go through and source um, new cars in stock or is it about helping people spec out or option their new
1: car? It's, it's all of the above. So it's anything to do with how they want to structure their payments, what makes sense, how much the car could potentially be worth down the road. Um, we have a buying advantage. So if you, if you walked in off the street and wanted to buy, say, a new Mazda for yourself um, because you needed a family car and you wanted a CX-5, well, as a company, we buy a new Mazda, you know, it, it could be multiple times a month. So we have a relationship there that we can – Get a buying advantage, and we can sort of pass those savings on. So, no cost to the car, the person that's looking for a car. It's um, you know, we're we're paid by um, the dealer on the successful completion of a deal, and and um, you know, it doesn't always even get to that point if they just you know want to talk through a process, and you're twelve months down the down the track, um, you know, you want to look at something, or it's basically an excuse for me in a professional stance to do something that I was doing constantly with everybody on you and let's talk about cars
0: and buying cars okay fantastic so, um, fantastic yeah. all right so I'll just remind that to the listeners if you're in australia and you and you you want to get in contact with luke just go to a new car concierge on instagram and send him a dm that's probably the best way to do it um so luke um people you know when people can come back to australia um when australia lets us back in coming to brisbane what is your favorite road where is a road where you where you would say let's let's take the 911 um What's your favorite road around, uh, around the Queensland area, or even in Australia? What's your favorite road that you that you've driven your 911 on, or you'd like to drive it on?
1: Well, it's a little sort of slim pickings because of the strong police presence. Not that I advocate speeding in any way, shape, or form, but as far <laughs> as um, you know, doing some spirited driving. Certainly, if you're a, if you're coming to Brisbane and you don't have a a long time to you know go on a big tour there's lots of country destinations that are, you know that make for nice um, relaxing drives but um we have the combination of um mount nebo and mount glorious um which is a real it's just outside the city um you probably get the whole drive done in, in you know an hour and a half and it's a combination of just hairpin corners and blind crests and sweeping sort of things and that the posted speed limits are very close to most people's level of comfort so as long as you don't go at a very busy time um it's always a you know really pleasant experience you go out there with some mates and use some walkie-talkies and just you know act responsibly but you can really test your car out and um you know um, position yourself in the queue wherever you feel most comfortable but i mean um, that's something like that you wouldn't expect so my KN has been out on that trip numerous times and it shines in that environment it sounds amazing driving through the mountains bouncing you know the exhaust off the uh off the rocks but it just handles really well and stops fantastically and um yeah it keeps up with uh, a lot of sports cars so it's um yeah it's 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 rewarding around there so all right good.
0: fantastic good tip all right, Luke. I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for uh, coming on Porsche Cooled Owner Stories today and, and telling everyone about your um, your story. It was a good one.
1: All right. Well, thanks very much for having me. We uh, we are uh, all all uh, myself and all my uh, Porsche fans and, and owners here in Brisbane. We're thoroughly enjoying listening to you and uh, and how much the uh, podcast has grown. So uh, congratulations, and, and you put it in a tremendous amount of work. So um, you know, it's certainly uh, any any rewards will be very well worth it.
0: Thanks, Luke. That's great. Thank you so much. Um, all right. So, like I said, uh, that's it for Porsche owner Stories today. Don't forget to follow Luke at New Car Concierge. Thanks for listening, everyone, and bye for now.